This all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio is brought to you by Wandering Monster. Check them out right now. Wandering-Monster.com. I'll wait. You there? Cool. Good. Uh, Wandering Monster is your all-in-one, one-stop online D&D adventure. Um, Greg is a fantastic uh, DM and storyteller, and he will lead your group through uh, various adventures. Check out their website right now. Uh, there's still some spots available for November, so like the Sunken Citadel, uh, Overboard to Ogmar. Uh, I'm very bad at speaking. Good thing I do a podcast. Uh, Warriors of the Witchfire, and then he also has the uh, the Storytellers Workshop, Villains You Love to Hate, How to Create Memorable Villains that Your Players Will Be Talking About for Years to Come. Uh, speaking as someone who still tells adventures from like when I was in high school, that, that does leave a mark, and it's very, very cool. Um, you know, coming up on the, the chilly season, not a lot of outdoor activities, and maybe you're still not comfortable with a lot of indoor activities, totally understand that, so... A good way to, you know, get your kids engaged in storytelling and interacting is to get them into D&D, and Wandering Monster will do that for them. So check them out, wandering-monster.com, and when you sign up, or even send them a message, or ask about private sessions, tell them you heard about it on Geek in the City Radio. Why, hello, and welcome to issue 619 of Geek in the City Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Bean Rita. And I am your other, other host, Cable Hashitani. What's up, everybody? How's it going? It's November. Uh, it is. It is November. <laughs> this is I all just, true. I just shelled out more money than I am happy about to fly home for Christmas. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I like my parents, and I like spending time with my family and my in-laws. So, like, lucky, you know, I lucked out there. But that's a lot of money that I would have enjoyed, you know, going to somewhere like Japan. Finally, uh, instead, <laughs> I'm going to Phoenix and Tucson. Arizona is not like Japan at all. No, no, Arizona sucks. Yes. I mean, I've never even been there. I'm just going to assume it sucks. I mean, there's like the Petrified Woods and the Grand Canyon and the Biodome. There's a lot of like really cool things to see in Arizona, but I'm not going to do any of those things. You know. What's the Biodome? It's a Biodome. Literally like like in the movie. Like Polly Shore and... Yeah. In fact, I, I think parts of the movie Biodome were filmed at the Arizona Biodome. Oh, okay. I didn't know that was also like permanent things. I know that like NASA has set things up to train astronauts and whatnot. This one is, this one exists to do um, the different environmental uh, research. Um, so it, it has different um, ecospheres. Ah, okay. So, uh, and so I, I think it was initially created to be temporary, but it's, it's a very useful resource. So it, it continues to be there. 
That's cool. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Amor. We're all like, yay! Oh. Yeah, it's very any, exciting. Isn't it? Any December holiday plans? Hmm. We'll see. I I may have moved into doing administrative work in my retail job, but I still work retail, and I have no plans to do anything for yeah, either of the upcoming two holidays. It's yeah, like, like too many things can go wrong if you try to make plans, or you you can you can try to make plans, but there are too many things that can go wrong, and so it's kind of a risky play. Yeah. <laughs> Like, uh, we've at least had the upgrade to, if you work Black Friday, if you work Christmas Eve, if you work New Year's Eve, those are all now time and a half holidays. Oh, that's well, cool. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. I think there's be. like, I think we have like eight or nine time and a half holidays at Guardian. That's great. Yeah. Going so. back to like one of the, you know, one of those things that's like difference between like something that's a little bit more corporate versus something that is family run. Mm -hmm. um, they do, they, there does tend to be more ways in which you can be rewarded for your time, compensated for your time. Right. Um, and it's like, I also understand that doing things like that, if you are from, if you are the management of, of the corporation, doing that is what helps offset the amount of time it's going to be before your workers form a union. <laughs> because and, it, and, and make you give them those things. If you're smart, you know, that is an inevitable, that's inevitable. Um, and you just plan for it. Um, and if you're a smart worker, you recognize those things. It's like, good. They're already trying to make inroads to give us things that we should be getting already. Right. Um, so that we don't have to go to the step of forming a, a union. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm, hey, that's uh, a I'm... good segue. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we can just kind of jump into this really quick. Uh, so speaking of unions, speaking of unions, uh, Geek and City Radio was forming a union. Uh, our hey! complaints are that we don't get paid. Yep. Uh, we will strike against ourselves and we'll continue to strike until people pay us to do the show. Anyway, no, that's not it. <laughs> well, that would we, be nice. I mean, we, we might get into that later in the show, I think. What, Had some thoughts. Getting paid to do this? Yes, but let's talk about the unions. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, I think it was now two days ago, uh, the employees of Image Comics have declared that they are forming a union to improve the working conditions at Image. Um, and I know that... Hey, PJ, get out of here. Uh, Sorry, knocking over my camera. I know there are a few kind of like initial you know, people having what they claim to be hot takes of like, well, what do you mean? Image is all, all the books are creator own. The teams build their own, blah, 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 blah. I was like, well, yes, that is all true. But not every book that has gone through Image actually has an entire package. Like, for example, like I believe almost all of um, uh, Rucka and partners creator own books, they have assembled a complete in-house. They have their own 
graphic designers, they have their own everything, but not every, a lot of creator owned books are just the creators, writer, artist, team, whatever. And they don't have anybody else to do any of the other work, maybe a letter and whatnot, but they don't really have anyone else. And if you don't have the skills or the time to have graphic designers and marketing and stuff like that, image has those employees and that's who is, that's who's, who's forming a union. Um, that is also people who work administrative, do administrative work because right. just because you know how to publish a comic or you know how to draw a comic or you know how to edit a comic, do lettering, none of that is making sure everything gets from point A to point B. Right. There's administrative, there's legal, there's marketing. There are a ton of other elements to to create to creating and distributing comics that is not the writing, arting, or lettering of those comics. Exactly. Um, And it's not a lot of people. I think it's like nine total. It's nine employees have put forth. And Image did update their statement today. Uh, They originally were not going to make a statement, but they did come out and say, we recognize the, um, we're recognizing the union, first of all. Um, we understand their, their requests and demands. Um, we also recognize the plight that they're going through. So like, that's why we're accepting the fact that it was like, that's why we are recognizing the union officially. Right. Um, I also looked at the list of demands and I got to tell you, um, In most, no, I, I, I shouldn't say this because I honestly don't know. The list of demands of like, well, yes, that's exactly what every company should be doing. If it's so, not a small family owned business and you're a corporation, these are the things that you should be doing as a, as a company. Yeah, there was, some, there was some talk about like if this union is officially recognized and they do go on strike or what have you. Like, what will this do? And, you know, most comic talk, at least in, within the mass media, is going to be like, what does this mean for Marvel and DC? But one of the things is that I know from people who have worked for both, a lot of the stuff that the image employees are asking for is on paper at, like, Marvel and DC because they are owned by larger companies who, I'm not saying it doesn't mean they don't screw it up, but these policies already exist. Mm-hmm. Um, how well they're enforced is a whole other thing. But you're right, Cale, from reading these goals, it feels like there's not even anything on paper at Image. It's just like, be happy you work at Image. Kind of, it seems to be the mentality from people that have been there. And I'm not throwing shade because we know, we personally know one of the founders of Image. Right. Um, Do we know more than one? Uh, Not like we could say hi and hang out. Yeah, no, we just know, yeah, it's just the one. Yeah. Uh, who lives here in town um sponsored our bowling team many many years ago <laughs> he's a great guy um but just because like he's learned the art of business because he's had to mm-hmm. as a freelancer like he started out as a as an artist and had had to go through all of these other hoops to become a publisher right. so like I'm not throwing shade at the creators of image. They were all artists that were frustrated with their working conditions. And that's why they created image. In fact, I think that's part of the images official response. It's like, 
we did this because we were frustrated with the job that we were getting and the pay we were getting. And this is why we made image. Right. We would be really shitty human beings if we did not recognize someone saying the exact same thing about the company that we started. Like, of course, we're recognizing the union, Um, which is, again, also smart business sense. Like there is a, I, I don't want to trivialize it, but there is, there is a dance that needs to be done. Right. Well, that kind of, if you want to play in capitalism. Yeah. Yeah, Well, that also brings up their final point, the point number nine, and I'm just going to kind of read it verbatim and then we can chat a little bit because this is also something that um, I think a lot of media outlets are completely getting wrong. Uh, And a lot of like shitty comic gators are just using this. I'll get to it in a minute. So their ninth goal, uh, renewed commitment to company values through the addition of a collective voting option to immediately cancel publication of any title whose creators uh, have found to be engaged in abuse, sexual assault, racism, and xenophobia, homophobia, transphobia, anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, ableism, etc. Until such time as said creators have engaged in a meaningful reparations towards the affected persons. I think some media folks and some more vocal members of a certain niche of the comic fan community are reading this as well, there goes your freedom to tell any kind of story and, you know, well done social justice warriors. You have now ruined image because no one's ever going to be able to tell a story that maybe makes you uncomfortable. And that's not what they're saying. There should be comics as an art form. And sometimes art makes you uncomfortable because it asks you to question yourself or what you're perceived of. So there are times comics should make you uncomfortable. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they should single out someone as the the target and i Telling think that a story about race for example is not the same as making being, a racist being, comic being racist or right. saying racist things yes it's, yeah there, there, i'll, there, I'll bring up a... um i won't mention any names but someone has someone was co-writing a, a, a hero comic where the lead character uh was developmentally disabled um and they co-wrote this with someone who works in that field and is the parent of a child who was they, like basically this kid, this person was like I want my kid to have a superhero. Mm-hmm. The bad guys, aka the bullies in this comic, call this kid the R word, and reviewers in certain groups were like, "This is insulting. This is wrong." And both the writer and the co-writer were like, "They're the bad guys." That was the it that was the point make we were trying to make. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember if they ended up changing the dialogue or not, but that would, so that, that's what I mean. That doesn't give someone like a, you know, a full pass to have their villain be just fucking awful so that you can play out your own worst traits, AKA the cards against humanity factor. Um, That's the game is to say the worst thing you can think of. Yeah. That game stopped being fun for me really quickly once I sat down and thought about it. But anyway, um, what I think what this means is, there have been some creators that have had some success at image or anywhere in general, really that end up being truly horrible people that have done truly horrible things. And it's really hard when you also have a book at this company and you want to promote your own book 
and thank Image for giving you a platform to express your art because you're automatically then looped in with this other group of creators or creator with whom nothing, there's no repercussions for them being awful. Um, I, I don't know how this goal number nine would play out. Would it, would the voting be all in the hands of just the employees of image or is it a, we have this in place now, we're going to reach out to every creator who has a book and image. And then is it, that I mean, that's a that, there's a lot of kinks to work out in goal number nine. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it's that's a loaded one for sure. I'm, I I can see that being the one that is the the most belabored in trying to like formalize the language and establish the rules around that language. Right. So I I haven't put a hot take on the internet largely because I dislike hot takes. Right. <laughs> uh, I've seen a lot of goodwill toward being ushered towards image and uh, the workers in putting this together. And I think that's great. And we're going to see that for the next six months. And mm-hmm. this time next year, we're going to see the hammer fall and it's going to hit hard on point number nine, because they're going to see that as the weak link to break it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's image now, but this is the comic book workers union. That's very broad. And there are, there are lots of people that work in comics that that could cover yeah, from freelancers the, to administrative. The problem is that by U S labor laws, freelancers can't form unions. We're actually, we're actually not allowed to. We can Perfect. form guilds, but they are not the same as a union. The best option for freelance comic creators, I don't mean just writers, anyone who is a freelance comic creator, is for another union to accept their work under the umbrella of whatever. Mm. So you'd be like an adjunct member, member of a union that is not strictly... Like people who are in pe- the same category as you. Yeah, like um, animators fall under the, I never say it right, ITA, the, the one that almost went yeah. on strike recently. Yahtzee? Yahtzee. I believe animators fall under that. So do animation writers, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Um, okay. People much smarter than I in, in the realm of labor and whatnot have actually researched why, have looked into why doesn't the WGA or the WGA East, which is a slightly different um union why they don't accept comic book writers and my gut wrench is my gut is always like well because they're elitist but apparently there's actually more to it than that um so yeah that's the thing um u.s labor law prevents freelancers who are by default contract workers contract workers can't form unions which is yeah Okay, so why don't we change the labor laws? Good question. Okay. Uh, because we can barely get Congress to allow a person to stay home for four weeks unpaid after they have a kid, let alone... I mean... People would have to have a way to organize to get the labor laws changed so that they would be allowed to organize. Sorry. 
let me let me re- um, let me preface it with yes, I know our system is broken, and I that's that notwithstanding, mm-hmm. why don't why is it that we can't just change labor laws? Um, so it would take yet another movement to change the labor laws to start covering freelancers so that they could be as i understand it yes um and so they can form guilds but the guilds can't be covered by the unions again i haven't done enough this is all stuff i've researched in the last 48 hours in between doing all of my (laughs) freelance work uh um guilds are different than unions as I understand it, they're more like, I, I guess it's the whole thing is they do not have the same bargaining power as a union. I, again, I, I don't know. And I'm sure someone smarter than I, or eventually Thomas Gill will listen to this episode and make a comment. <laughs> and, we'll, and it will be a helpful comment. I'm not being a dick. That's just, this is kind of his bellywick. Sure, because he does local government. Yeah. Mm. Where he's local. Yeah, no, I, I, I follow that. I knew what you meant. Yeah. Uh, I think we're... Long-time listeners are familiar with Thomas's work and yeah. his contributions when it comes to uh, being part of the community, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually one of the other things I want to talk about later in the show. Um, sorry, I'm not trying to be cryptic, but I'm trying to be cryptic. <laughs> listeners, we don't even know what he's talking about. I know. It was a thought I had all to myself before I even jumped on. Yay! <laughs> so... Um, in in an in inter co host guarantees. Mm-hmm. I have to say though that if you've been if you ever came by the gallery in, in definitely in the last five years, if not more, um, you've heard me complain about the thing that's actually going to change the comic book industry is the formation of a union. It that's the first step into actually making change in comic books right because it wasn't going to come from the publishers and it wasn't going to come from outrage from the fans like it had to come from you either had to stop giving publishers money which is complicated (laughs) because then you're taking money away from comic shop owners and you don't want to do that right um because they are the unfortunate middleman in all this um, or it would have to be a union so that it comes from within and it forces companies to deal with the people that they've been screwing over for decades. So I, I think, uh, I think it's a great start and I think it's going to get ugly for the next two years when the fight starts. Yeah. Um, which means we are either going to have no comic book industry or a much better comic book industry. And I, I'm going to be hopeful and believe in the latter. I, I think this is going to be a monumental change for the good. Right. I, I agree that the, the latter is the likelier scenario, but I'm not saying that as, from, like a, from a hopeful perspective. Mm-hmm. I just don't see the world 
creators, uh, you know, the, the, the world of comic creators just giving up and going, well, I guess we don't have an industry anymore. They'll find a way and they'll and they'll mm-hmm. make it, you know, in in the form of you know, like this, the, a more ideal system. Yeah, which is what, you know, that's where web comics came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they and- saw a new format and a new way to publish and bypass all of the um, the exclusivity of trying to get published through DC or Marvel for decades. Well, I still and- remember my very first webcomic. And Sorry. also, not, to, not that we're all like doom and gloom, but the numbers are actually that single-issue sales have made a huge jump compared to years like comics are actually doing better than they have in a long long time um it's just that the big guns have less of the pie now mm-hmm. it's a lot of smaller presses and independent presses and people going through like kickstart and indiegogo mm-hmm. they're just you know they're killing it you know so and that is a business fault of the big two yeah. And and we know, it, like, it can be easily mapped out and you can sit in a boardroom and tell an executive this and it still is going to fall on deaf ears, but it's, you keep putting all of your money into entertain into film and television adaptations of source material and you keep letting the source material wither on the vine. That mm-hmm. is dumb. That is leaving money on the table and the whole point of these entertainment conglomerates is not leaving money on the table reinvest money back into into comics so that you actually get great stories and and give people more like make your movies and televisions redirect all of those audiences back to comics and that will just continue to feed on each other over and over and over if you let one die for the sake of the other you're just screwing yourself over. Also, maybe stop forgetting to give credit where credit is due on where you got the source material for those video games and movies and TV shows. Credit's great. Money is better. That's yeah. what I meant. Oh. That's I meant, you know, yes. with money, compensate yeah. people for the fact that you have made a bajillion dollar movie out of their arc. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you want. We want to get paid better. Oh, you're talking about the cat. Yes. Um, she won't go away, but she's like really fussy. Yep. That's what Manji was, what Manji's been doing the whole time too. It's like pet me. No, don't, don't pet me. I want to be in your lap. No, I don't want to be anywhere near you. What if I try to send her away? The dog is underfoot. Like he, you know, like he so frequently is. And then she gets mad that he's there mm-hmm. and she wants to fight him. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyway, enough about my cat being a psycho today. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I have a good feeling about this situation and the and the eventual way that it'll impact the rest of the industry. I, I think there's, given that Paizo, uh, the company that makes Pathfinder, mm-hmm. the RPG, also recognized the Paizo Workers Union and Freelancers Union. Their union actually does cover their freelance workers. Yeah, and I'm I have I have to read more about it. And I'm kind of curious as to how. Yep, uh, but that uh, that happened two weeks ago, and I think that's still going to have 
a ripple effect across the gaming industry. So I think both games and comics are in for some very tumultuous years that will benefit everybody who works in it in right. a in a very in a great way. I, I gotta imagine that that Watsy's gonna follow suit, Wizards of the Coast, with a union forming. Um, did I say this on an air last week? No, we weren't on the air last week. No, I think we said it hanging out like either at a haunt or at a wedding. Yeah, that not to be completely mercenary, but <laughs> um, the CEO of Hasbro, the parent company of Watsy, mm-hmm. um, died somewhat expectedly about three weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, and I did not. I must, I must not have been there for that. Conversation. The, they they passed like he had just taken a leave of absence for um, a medical condition that he'd been that he'd had for a number of years and it got the best of him. Um, so you know, sad. Like I, I'm, I don't know the guy and I don't know his history or records, so I'm not wishing him ill will or or thinking that he deserved right. to die or anything like that. Um, what I do think is that means now is the time for the workers of Hasbro to organize a union while the man, the top level management is figuring out what they're going to do next. Yes. There's an interim CEO, but that's, they're that's an not interim the same. CEO. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Best time for a coup is when there's no one on the throne. Yep. And I, and I, I think if, if Watsy tries to recognize a union, that's going to be something that Hasbro will want to squash. If Hasbro start employees start forming a union, then they're going to have their hands full. Yeah. And Watsy is throwing up some crazy big numbers right now. So Hasbro couldn't just a few years ago, Hasbro could say, look, you're, you're our little role-playing company that we get to mine IP from, but that's really well, not a little the, side. That's really not what they are anymore. No, um, Magic and Dungeons and Dragons uh, account for a hefty percentage of Hasbro's profits. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So they can't just brush them aside like they probably mm-hmm. could have a few years ago. It'll nope. all be interesting to see how it all works out. Um, well, speaking of taking over when there's an empty throne, mm-hmm. do you want to talk about the book of Boba Fett trailer? Yeah, thank you. That was beautiful, Aaron. That yes. was beautiful. Although yes. here's where I ruined it. Before we roll right into it, we need to uh, give a special bit of love to PDX Asylum. 3713 Southeast Hawthorne Boulevard, across the street from the historic Baghdad Theater. They are celebrating what, Aaron? Their 10th anniversary. Uh, November 5th through the 7th, um, all merchandise store-wide is 10% off. There's an asterisk, and I do believe the asterisk means um, anything they have to order is not 10% off. So like furniture... Anything stock, that yeah. the the sales for things that are in stock. If you if you ask to order something in that they don't currently have, then it's no longer uh, applicable to the sale price. Yeah, but everything that you find in the store is 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 on sale. So buy everything you see. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, their hours are still 12 to 4, so they're not, it's not a big open window November 5th or the 7th. But um, yeah, definitely check them out for their 10% off 10th anniversary sale, which is weird because in my head, they haven't even been asylum for 10 years. I still think like, well, they were Sorrells like three years ago. Like, no, Aaron. They Has it really been 10 years since they became asylum? Uh, no, they're lying about this 10th anniversary sale. No. <laughs> In my mind, that included the Sorrells part no, of it too. No, but no, that's. I feel like now we're bonk, now we're donking up the um, it, the library. It's largely because again, twenty twenty didn't exist. Right. Right. Twenty twenty one has partially existed. Yeah. So that's and, and, and all time is a construct. Yeah. Time is a flat right. circle. Yes. Uh, Anton and Dev have been running Asylum for 10 years now, starting November 5th through the 7th, 10% off. Uh, everything in stock. Uh, I will. I am definitely going to swing by. There's a few things I've been wanting for a long time. And, you know, not saying I was waiting for a sale. This is just a happy convenience to have a little bit more expendable funds. And if that damn clock that is all everything written out is still there, that's coming home with me finally. Good, good. Every time I go in there, I stare at that damn clock. <laughs> if we were in studio and I was not sitting in my living room and then would disturb everyone else in the house, uh, I would 100% be doing Jeremy Piven's 10 years bit from Gross Point Blank at full volume. So just imagine that I'm doing that right years. now. <laughs> Freak out. Join the army. I'm a professional killer. You get dental with that? No. Can anyone join it? Yes. <laughs> there. There we go. Yeah. And as I always like to remind people this time of year, um, Asylum has the best gifts. Yeah, they really do. Housewares and home decor, and they they always have those great cards that are made by local artists. See, and I have weekends free now. I can actually oh my oh my word! Yeah, I'm gonna buy three more a gift from Asylum. I do need to to visit Asylum for uh, gift shopping this year because, like, you're the only two people that I know that I can buy games for. Everyone else wants normal stuff. Games aren't normal. For <laughs> games are not family. an appropriate gift for the other people on cable's Christmas gift list. Yeah, that's correct because they don't play games. They don't. They don't get it. Your family's just not as awesome as we are. And all know, right, that's fine. I have to travel to different dimensions in order to buy gifts for Merrick. That's true. Yeah, that's that's reasonable. No, nothing I can I can't do any shopping for her on this plane of existence. It just it doesn't happen. You have to open the gates. Mm-hmm. Several. Yeah. And the ritual takes so many resources and time. It's, it's oh my god, the whole thing. It's a whole thing. I usually have to make a weekend of it, and then it's just birthday, Christmas, ad hoc. It's just whatever it is. Just lots of, and then I just squirrel more. But the rest of you <laughs> should make a weekend. Of shopping at Asylum. Yes. 3713 Southeast Hawthorne Boulevard. As Norm says, if you want to rule in style like Boba Fett, buy your stuff, buy your accoutrements at Asylum. And don't forget to check them out and follow them online uh, at uh, facebook.com slash PDX Asylum. Yeah, that's them. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Don't go to their website. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't go to the website. Go to Facebook, which is All not right. a statement that I make lightly. Only for this, only for us and Asylum. Uh, uh, the rest of the time, Facebook can die in a fire. Die in a metaverse. All right, now back to the throne stuff. Book of Boba Fett. So the trailer yeah. for this sexy beast dropped what Sunday, Monday? Uh, Monday? Sunday, I think actually. Sunday. Yeah. So it was our Halloween treat. Disney gave us a treat instead Aww. of giving us a treat. Yay. Nice of him. It's lovely. Not that Disney, the company. Right. <laughs> Walt. Right. Nah, Walt reported people to the to Congress. Fuck Walt. Yeah, he was not a great guy. He got people blacklisted. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He did. He was an awful human being. His company is his company is a corporation. It does horrible things and wonderful things. Right. They just do. So yep. the trailer mm-hmm. opens with another like nerd cut. It opens with Bomar Monk, mm-hmm. the robot spider with the monk's brain in it, because Jabba's palace used to be run by the by the Bomar monks of the Bomar monastery. Yeah, that that's about it. If you want to know more about them, look it up on Wikipedia. Like we're yeah. not going to go into Bomar <laughs> monks on this show, man. Yeah, that's a um, that's a dive. Yeah, no, it's a big dive. Um, I, you know, you both know how emotional I got over Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings and the release of that. And to see a Star Wars television show starring a Pacific Islander and a Chinese American. (laughs) I, ah. Also, I think it's it seems so like he uh, he he, uh, he kind of cut his uh, he cut cut some weight on there too, or they've made a better costume for him. I think they eh, maybe maybe a little bit of both. Column A, column B. Yeah, I, I did notice it was better fitting, but I did not read into what changed to pair them better together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's not that like it's not like I need them all like ripped. He's got he's got angry grandpa vibes now. Tamara is 61 years old. That is all, older than I was guessing. He yeah. is 61. Yeah. Yeah. He only needs to be as fit as he wants to be. So yeah. that means we have a 60-year-old Boba Fett and a 50-year-old um, Fennec Shand. Fennec Shand, yeah. Because Ming-Na is 57. Like, that is another one of the beautiful things about this. It's like, these are these are not 30-year-olds. These are not 20-year-olds. No. It wasn't These that long ago warriors. that 30-somethings became it, the where it became normal for 30-somethings to be the leads in stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, no. it's like, go back and watch Logan's run. Those are people <laughs> that are supposed to be turning 30 and you're like, yeah, no, you're pushing 50 already, buddy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, we don't know a whole lot about it. I mean, the trailer was more just visual stuff. We know that like he's trying to organize all of Jabba's lieutenants again. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is pretty cool, but he's kind of running him like a godfather now instead of, well, like it says, he ruled through fear. I will rule through mutual respect. I, I'm going to take everything that I'm going to see in trailers for this somewhat at face value. 
Yeah. With the understanding that everything around Boba Fett has to the, this point has never been just what's on the surface. Right. And I, at this point, Boba has been roaming Tatooine for five, five plus years, five years or so. Yeah. Roughly. Without his armor. Yeah. After being, mm-hmm. after escaping from a Sarlacc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we don't, we don't know what his real plans and his real motivations are. Like, right. I think the only person that's going to know will be Fennec and right. From what we've seen of her in both the Mandalorian and um, the Bad Batch, she's like, she's a vault. (laughs) Yeah. So, and you are not going to be able to figure out what they're playing because neither one of, they both have poker faces. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I feel like he's going to just drop the hammer if someone, you know, tries to do him dirty again, kind of thing. Um. There was one thing I didn't. I, it's really fast. It's one of the Twi'lek Twi'lek women, mm-hmm. and the one who looks more pink. And I saw, it, I was like, "What? She like she like triggered something in my head." I'm like, "I know." Like, so it sounds weird. I know that facial bone structure. And then I found it's she Jennifer Beals. It's Jennifer Beals. Beals. No, As in flashback and the L yeah. word. Flash yeah. dance. Flash dance and the flashback juice. Yeah. And by the way, she is also 57 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a young cast, but it also looks cool, you know. Yeah, Which, Jennifer Beals is. So I don't know if she's just having a cameo because she loves Star Wars or is buddies with somebody, or if she's going to be a main character. It would be kind of nice to see, like Ryloth get, because it's a Ryloth's a big fucking deal all through the Clone Wars and Rebels, and then Palpatine dropped down the hammer, mm-hmm. but. Um, It'd be nice to see them start to come back up. That'd be kind of cool. That that was. So I think we should definitely talk about some of our faint since we still don't know what the story is. Just talking yeah. about our favorite favorite little moments in the trailer makes sense. Um, yeah, there are other people that have gravitated to that the scene with the Twi'lek. Uh, Twi'lek. They're just like. It's, is she like a Twi'lek madam? Is she another crime boss? Who is she? Like they are right. fascinated with her. And, and I get that that comes from the fan. There's a large portion of the fan base, both men and women, mostly men, but both men and women that yeah. are really fascinated with uh, Twi'lek women. Um, I didn't realize it was Jennifer Beals. That is really, that cool. says a lot. Yeah. Um, like, you, m- much like Fennec Shan showing up in Mandalorian season one and then getting killed. Right. You you don't do that casting unless you mean to do something with it later. Right. So um I like that his suit's been all cleaned up, but he leaves the dent in the helmet. Oh yeah. That's kind of cool. Um it's it's Mandalorian armor. They make it with a particular type of steel, right? Beskar. Beskar, thank you. Um I don't know. I always imagined that it was something that, um, well, he can do cosmetic repairs uh, or, you know, like touching up of the armor. 
maybe right. he doesn't have the like the right resources or tools to do structural repairs and so he he just can't fix because it's like, possible it's, it's damaged that he cannot he like he doesn't have enough, strong enough tools to fix needs a smith <laughs> uh, yeah as, as someone who is you know prepared to and and used to and has the the necessary resources to work on beskar also we don't know for sure that his suit has got a lot of beskar in it why wouldn't it I think we do. Yeah? Yeah, I think it's still, it's, I think it it's his, still Beskar. It was his dad's armor, right? Originally? It's the remains of his dad's the armor. The remains yes. of his dad's armor, yeah. Hopefully not the helmet. That would be a weird thing to wear. <laughs> it probably is, though. Um, I feel like they made a point of like establishing that it is definitely the same helmet. It's not yet canon, but non-canonically, the dent in Boba's helmet came from um, a duel with uh, shit. What's his name? Um, Wide brim hat. Cade Bane. Cad Bane. Cad Bane. Yeah. Bane. I keep wondering if he's going to show up in this. I I know I Christian's so. really excited for that because that's one of his favorite characters. Same with Merrick. <laughs> yeah. That, and Cad Bane is Merrick's favorite Star Wars character. Um, we Kevin in the chat is uh, Beth, you know, talking about how like how interested many men are in Twi'leks. Um, Kevin says Twi'leks, Orion's, Gamora, various Hulks. Look, yeah, green's just it, a sexy color. I, while I understand that, I I'm not in that camp. For me, it's blue. Yeah, that too. So, so um, for you, it's an Andorian. Person, Andorians, um, the uh, characters come in all colors. Twi'leks do come in blue. Uh, it, the, there's a character on Farscape um, whose name is escaping me. The diva. Yep, Plava Laguna. Um, uh, Nebula. Oh yes, definitely Nebula. <laughs> well, she's you're, you're already bald. a fan of that actress, too. So, and she's bald. Yep. Anyway, enough yeah. about what turns everybody on. No shame. We're not. We're not. Uh, not Tobias Pedro, Funk. Pedro Pascal has a voice cameo, and the mm-hmm. current thought is that he is the voice of the Ichthorian we see on the throne in the earliest part of the trailer. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought it was him doing the voiceover at first or ask you hear Boba Fett say something and you hear like a person. Well, that probably is the Ictorian now that I think about it responding to him. Cause I was like, that sounds a lot like Pedro Pascal. So, you know, that's kind of um, fun. Yeah. There's a slight yeah. chance. There's been no inkling of it. We could maybe get a live action Hondo in this. That would be a lot yeah. of fun. That would be a lot of fun. I, as it established, that dude survives all the way up to The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hondo is great. Yeah. Um, he is uh, another one of those characters from the animated series that I would love to see make the jump to live action. Yeah. Um, and since the book is the first of all of the series that are coming out that are all going to link into that big final movie or mini series mm-hmm. now is the perfect time to bring him in. 
Yeah. Um, because it's it's book, and then I I don't know what the order is after that. I don't know if it's Mandal if we're getting Mandalorian season three or we're getting Rangers or we're getting Ahsoka. I know those are the three that come after book. I know. I know they've started filming Mandalorian season three, but they're filming a lot of stuff where that Pedro is not in mm-hmm. because of his other as other commitments to like the last of us and all that. Right. Um, um I, and I know that they're filming stuff with, uh, for Ahsoka because right. they've, um, Hayden Christensen has been on set as Anakin, not Darth Vader. I know. I'm oh, interesting. Out- Is yeah. it like, maybe it's gonna be flashback stuff? Yeah. Mm. Which then I would really love to see a live action massage. Yeah. She's my favorite villain from Clone Wars. I know Cat Bane is fun and cool and all, but 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 she's a witch. She's all creepy and cool and you know. I actually would love a miniseries all about the witches of Dathomir. I just I finally played uh Fallen Order Jedi or whatever and yeah, the the Dathomir character, I'm really bummed that she doesn't get used more. I was like, she's way more interesting than almost everyone. Actually, I mean, the game was good, actually. The story was pretty good. But I was like, I want to do more with her. How come you guys didn't let us do more with her? Uh, flashbacks and Force Ghosts. And the, rumor- and the yeah. ghost of um, Anakin slash Darth Vader is, is Anakin pre-Darth Vader. So... Mm-hmm. Because well, I guess when you I, die, you can just revert your body to whatever. Well, the it was kind of retconning, and I think Filoni has talked about this too. That why that, that there was a business reason why they turned it into Hayden Christensen. He's like, but you could explain it within the Force in that it is the Force ghost of Anakin Skywalker because Darth Vader is dead. Mm-hmm. So, it, the yeah, I mean, and that actually that actually could be kind of cool if, you know, by the terms of like Return of the Jedi, Anakin has redeemed himself in the eyes of the force. Right. I kind of like the idea of Anakin becoming this almost like Obi-Wan to like Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. Um, Because Ahsoka keeps walking that line between light and dark. Mm -hmm. And he could be like, this really simplifies it, but almost like her Jiminy Cricket of like, hey, uh, I, I've been down this way before. Uh, let's think long and hard about this kind it's of like, a character. This is not the direction you want to go, Snips. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, yeah, that would make a lot of sense. And it's nice for the character, um, for, for Hayden Christensen's character to have mm-hmm. further opportunity at redemption beyond, you know, Darth Vader's final scene with Luke Skywalker before, you know, the place implodes. Right. And that's not a great look. I wouldn't want to be a ghost looking like that. <laughs> Very true. Um, oh, Humpty Dumpty. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. He's a pasty, asthmatic Humpty Dumpty. Yes. <laughs> I'm not the yeah. only one. C- Cable said the same exact thing. No, I know. Oh, yeah. you're you're not the only one. That's been a frequent uh, comparison of. <laughs> so Beck says the only shows with the 2022 release date are Mando season three, uh, Andor, 
which is a, a prequel oh, that's to right. Andor. Yep. Or cat is it called Andor? Or is it called just Cassian? I think it's called <clears throat> Andor. Okay. Uh, Cassian Andor. So it's a prequel to. Um, to Rogue One. Rogue One. Thank you. Yeah. And then Obi Obi Wan Kenobi. Ooh. Yeah, that I'm really curious about that one. Fucking dope. Because apparently Hayden's in that too. Like he's gonna wear the Vader suit. Mm-hmm. So I I really want it to be from that arc, that old man Kenobi arc in the desert. Yeah, uh, but tight. that was well. That was well. No, yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Because while Luke was growing up, and so Darth Vader would already exist. Mm-hmm. Sense? Oh yeah, I'm really excited for Hayden Christensen as an actor to be able to go return to this role and do some stuff with Anakin and Darth Vader that he didn't get to do with the prequels. Yeah. Give it more. Give it more nuance. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and actually be directed by people who are good directors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not going to throw shade at George. Like, this is not, I'm, I'm done trying to throw hate at things. Um, it's not hate. It's just, it's just factual. I think most fans will agree with you on this. He's true, an ideas but, man. <laughs> but it is, you know, like, it's a habit that I've been trying to break myself of. It, like, it, I I don't want to spend time talking about things I hate. I'd rather talk about things that I like. Um, when you figure that one out, let me know. Yeah, well, I'm still working on it. Um, but uh, like, it's exciting to think that uh, Hayden Christensen is, is going to be able to do that. Um, like, it's much the same way that uh, there have been. I feel like there have been other actors in long-running series that's like, oh, you've got to revisit your character and do something fascinating with it. Um, yeah. Well, that's what I meant by it'll be good for the character. Yeah. Uh, much like the actor that played, like all of the actors that played Klingons in the original series that all got to come back on Deep Space Nine and reprise their roles, Kang, yeah. Co-op, and Core. Like, that was that was amazing. Like, it was funny stunt casting to a degree but then you get them on screen it's like oh oh no wait i want to see more of the three of you being old klingons right because you're fun <laughs> <laughs> you were from the klingon series that where klingons were fun and now you get to look like modern day klingons and still be these guys that just run around fucking shit up <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah totally um and then having that extended period where the actor that got to, that was playing core got several more episodes where he kind of got to address becoming an old Klingon and how that's not great in their society. No, mm. you're not allowed to die peacefully in bed. I never saw that. Now I kind of want to go and check those out. The, the TOS and then the, the later installment of those characters. Yeah. He's it. Core is the only one that comes back more than once. Like yeah. the, they bring Core uh, Kang and Koloth all turn out to have hung out with um, Kurzon Dax back right. in the day. Mm-hmm. And so they were all friends with Kurzon Dax. And then they, um, when they meet Jedzia Dax, like the, they, this gets memed a lot, especially when it's like if Klingons can understand um, people transitioning. <laughs> Why can't you? Because one goes, Curzon, my my dear old friend. 
And she's like, it's Jadzia now. Jadzia, my dear old yeah. friend. Without missing a beat. <laughs> yeah, the actual episode is kind of great. He pulls back and looks at her for like a second. And then he does those great eyes. goes, Jadzia, my great old friend. <laughs> it's like, no, it's just Dax. We've known Dax for a century. <laughs> right. Um, and then to have them all sit around going, remember that time we almost got Kirk? <laughs> right. <laughs> and I keep forgetting that they bring Kang back again in Voyager. In the episode right. with where they have that flashback with Sulu, there's a, a Kang is the Klingon, a Klingon captain that stops Sulu and they kind of have this right. nice little um, banter between them where Kang's like, Mr. Sulu, you look good in that chair. <laughs> yeah. It's about, it's about damn time. <laughs> well, this is a fantastic time to take a break and talk about our sponsors. First up, of course, is Guardian Games. They have been our longest sponsor. Find them over at 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. Uh, they have all kinds of cool things coming out. It's kind of a little bit of dragon time right now. Not only has uh, Wizard of the Coast released uh, Fisman's Guide to Dragons, there's a really sweet little card game called Autumn Harvest. It's a tease and dragon you know, uh, card game. Um, it actually looks really cute. I don't know a whole lot about it, but it looks like it's a great shot, great little game, especially to get the younger folks into playing card games. Um, also, they are participating in the Serious Dice Raffle. When you go to the counter at Guardian Games, like on the left or on the right, when you're about to pit check out, you'll see this like display case with the Serious Dice. They are gorgeous. So not only should you get a pair of really cool, you get a set of really cool dice, uh, you may have a chance to win some fantastic prizes. You can find out all about these things by checking them out at facebook.com forward slash gg portland that's facebook.com forward slash gg portland and when you go into the store thank them for being a sponsor of geek in the city radio just like bridge city comics uh they are one of the comp what one of the city's best comic book shops and you can find that out for yourself at 3725 North Mississippi Avenue here in Portland, Oregon. Uh, as always, I uh, recommend you set up a subscription box. That way you're guaranteed to never miss a title. But the other cool thing about a subscription box is over time, you know, they get to know what, what books you like. And every once in a while, they might put one in there that they think you might like. You're not on the hook for that one. If you don't like it, they put it back on the shelf. No harm, no foul. Uh, however, do pick up the ones you have promised to, uh, promised to purchase because... Uh, Bridge City Comics, along with all comic book shops, have to pay in advance, uh, often 90 days in advance. Um, you'll be hearing me talk about that a lot very soon, and I'll tell you why then. Um, but, uh, yeah, in fact, when you hear about a book, when you first hear about it, like, don't wait to be like, well, I'll just get a copy when it comes out. No, if you think it sounds cool, contact your local shop. In Portland, you contact Bridge City Comics. And you ask them to order you a copy. That way you're guaranteed to get it. And it might keep the title from being canceled before it ever even comes out. Comics, kids. Anyway, check them out. Bridge City Comics, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland, Oregon. Since we have um, slid into the realm of Star Trek. Yes. How about we talk about <laughs> our thoughts on the, the debut of Star Trek Prodigy, which actually was the first two episodes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, that title was... Lost and Found. It was yeah. I, I failed to notice that the title was called Lost and Found Part One and Two. 
Yeah. Uh, but about two thirds of the way through it, I was like, this is probably not how long it will normally be. This is going, this right. has been going for a while. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't notice that either, but that also makes sense given how long it takes to get to point B. Yes. Yes. If, if you had stopped at the halfway point, that wouldn't be much of a hook. I think. No, no. Cause up until the last 15 minutes or so, it's really just a, Zippy pew pow pow sci-fi show. It could have mm-hmm. been any show. It did not really it, feel like a Star Trek for at least halfway of like, if not a full two thirds of the way through. Yeah, especially it, considering this has General Grievous in it. Mm-hmm. Being commanded by Darth Sidious mm-hmm. from a, like back to tank. Mm-hmm. I, I said th- I said the same thing. That was definitely a total uh, General Grievous. Not that I'm yeah. mad about it. It's always kind of a cool concept. I'm I'm still both Merrick and I are frustrated with only one particular plot point and that is they left the little kitty person behind (laughs) yeah and I guess I'm not super comfortable with a Star Trek show meant to get kids in the Star Trek literally opening on a prison planet and you find out actually with child slavery and also it's not actually a prison where people allegedly are guilty it's just where bounty hunters bring sentient life forms to be sold. Mm-hmm. Right. So the, the term prison planet is is inaccurate because it's actually a slave planet. Yeah. So that's a that's a hard flex for Star Trek to open with for kids. If say like Discovery opened on a prison on a slavery planet, I was like, I mean, I'm not saying I'd like it, but it feels like an easier sell than this is targeted to eight year olds. Um, but how but in order to, in, for an animated series to talk about a problem like slavery, uh, and it's, prisons, and prisons, uh, you have to show it to them first, and then get around to talking about why it's bad and wrong. Yep. I mean, yes, it is a ballsy move to start there, but yeah, I'll be curious if they're going to revisit that because it doesn't feel like this episode tried to address that at all. They just wanted to make it a fun adventure. Oh, they are one hundred percent going to come back uh, to this. I know. Um, it had. I'm going to keep watching it because it's Star Trek. Um, out of all the new Trek shows, it is probably the weakest debut for me because I'm. I've had been left with a lot of like, mm, that was your call. Okay. That I think that that's because this is not Star Trek for us at all. Um, I, I'm in the same boat where like I'm going to watch this because I want to see where it goes, and it's going to do interesting things to Star Trek canon and Star Trek lore. Um, but it's it's not designed to rope me into Star Trek, and it shouldn't be. It's it's trying to rope in com- a completely different demographic, and I hope it succeeds. So and that- it's not just Star Trek or Paramount. It's 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 Paramount and Nickelodeon. So there's already like a different mm-hmm. yeah. It's a different vibe. Period. Yep. Um, I don't dislike any of the characters. Uh, the the bits of Trek lore that I'm fascinated by are we are apparently somewhere at the edge of Del- the Delta Quadrant. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have two species that are far from home in that particular case. The Medusan and the Tellarite. Right. 
Um, and I don't know what year this is. They didn't say, did they? Mm-mm. And I don't, I think my I money think- is on that we are somewhere after Picard and before Discovery. <laughs> oh, yeah. The season three Discovery, you mean? Yes. Season yeah. three Discovery. Uh, and then we we are not in the TNG Voyager era. No. Era we are post Picard, maybe by fifty to a hundred years. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's funny. Um, right now, Dal is my least one of my least favorite characters. He's supposed I'm to just, be, I think. Definitely get some Ezra vibes from him. I liked Ezra right off the bat. I weird he was. I don't know. It was it was a little too much of. I don't know, it, that the the trope of that character wears really thin on me. Mm. And they do they did have fun with it though because there's that moment where he's like, "Oh, I thought I'd be the captain." Like a classic, like right. Oh, you just assume you're the chosen boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think that's why. Like I'm kind of in the same boat with Aaron, where it's like that a character I've seen so many times that it has lost its appeal. Yeah, um, the the mysterious daughter who is, can speak every language on the other hand I'm like no i'm more interested in your particular story yes she definitely has like some a, a complex background that i assume we will get to learn a lot more about down the road mm-hmm. um, I, I go ahead sorry dal is just reckless mm-hmm. yeah I, I i do hope i forget the character's name the one that can speak any language um doesn't matter for right now. Right. I, I hope part of her evolution, or as we get to know the character more, I hope we start to learn that she has always been bothered by what her father does, and up until now has been relatively powerless to do anything about it. It'll be annoying if she only started to care once it directly impacted her. Hmm. Unless her arc was, oh my god, I was raised a privileged, spoiled brat, and I had no idea, and I was choosing to be ignorant, and now my eyes are open. That was bad. If anything, I I imagine that it's going to be like, oh, I didn't know this was bad, because I didn't have any other examples besides this. Despite the amount of authority she seems to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, within within that little you know that world that she was living in up until now, um, she doesn't seem super worldly, right? I mean, yeah, Although there that's... was there was a line about like I was I was helping you like or I was trying I'm done helping you. She says to Doll, and True. now I can't remember the exact yeah. context, but that does imply that she knows there's a certain amount of wrongness to the situation. Sure, so. I'll let it play out more. But those are just these tiny little things where I'd watch them and go like, "Yeah, that was your choice. Okay, you better pay it off." I um, think as a someone who is an author of stories that are also geared for this age demographic, you might be a little more critical than, yes. say, the average viewer. Yeah, or, I accept that. Or children. There's still things I like, like visually, I thought it was gorgeous. The like animation style, mm-hmm. it was great. That was a blast. Um, the other right character's now, my... name is Gwyn, by the way. Gwyn, thank you. Right now, I think my favorite character is Zero. Yes. Yeah, they, I just dig them, you know. Um, 
I like that it is a Wait. non-binary non-binary character because they're Medusa. an energy being. Yeah. Oh, the Medusan. Mm-hmm. I was like, which one is zero? Um, yeah, they're they're a really cool uh, character. Not loving Jason Manzukis's character, the Tellerite. Yeah, yeah, it's a little it's... much for me. So are Tellerites. I... <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's fair. I mean, I, I usually I... really enjoy Jason Manzukis and his performances on anything. So, oh, I think he's perfectly cast as this, uh, and like seeing him being such a very obvious um, contrary character. Mm-hmm. It's like in the way they're playing that particular personality trait of the Tellarites, mm-hmm. where it's so very obvious. It's like, oh yeah, I can see exactly where kids would mimic this and and enjoy this and learn the logic of like, oh, maybe taking someone's side that just argues about everything will get them to see my side. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I think it's very clever. Um, That's fair, and I'm not it's... deeply familiar with. Tellarites uh, to begin with. And now this is, I'm assuming, a Tellarite character who has been edited in a way that makes it more kid friendly and, you know, generally PG. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like Enterprise kept it pretty PG as well. Our right. only exposure to Tellarites was in the original series where one of them gets killed. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And in Enterprise, we get the background that they are a contrarian, argumentative species. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are always trying well, to start. I mean, they, they try to start arguments because they want. They feel like they get people's true um, intents and motives if they are forced out of their comfort zone and are not cha- being polite. challenged to defend right. and explain their stances. They, they kind of hint at it in during the Babel when like that Tellerite confronts Sarek. Mm-hmm. And Sarek and basically Sarek's attitude is like, I know what you're trying to do. You're doing the Tellerite thing. Like mm-hmm. you'll get my vote when you get my vote. But if you really want to go there, yeah, I'm gonna vote for this. So there. Um <laughs> but that because like, that's, that's what we all know about Sarek. He was the Vulcan master of showing of throwing the subtle shade. <laughs> you don't find out till the next day that you've been cut. <laughs> I don't know that it was all that subtle. <laughs> he was the master of Vulcan shade, though. He yeah, really yeah. was. Yeah. Um, yeah. For being a founding member of the Federation, we know we have seen very little on screen about Tellarites. Yeah. Why do you think that is? From a like, from a producer's and like you know cr- writer's point of honest, view, I have my <laughs> honest thoughts. What's your thoughts? It's the most expensive makeup to maintain all the time. Mm. And I was, I was going to go with, they are not as photogenic as Andorians and Vulcans. Mm. That's fair. That's. um... You you can sexify up both the Vulcans and Andorians. Tellarites look like porcupine pigs. Other unattractive. In a conventionally unattractive aliens uh, and races and species in 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 the Star Trek shows. Um, what's his face from Voyager was really, always kind of weird looking to me. Um, oh, Neelix. Neelix. Yeah, Talax. But he was the only Talaxian that we saw on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, um, most of his race had been wiped out. Kazons weren't very attractive. Um, however, Klingons. 
Klingons are not conventionally attractive. However, they have an appeal. I'm like, I I beg to differ. I, I, I have a thing about Klingon women, so (laughs) I don't know why. If it's, if it's a thing, it's, it's not as niche as I think someone might believe it to be. Sure. Um, or maybe that's just the people I know. Yeah. Me- messing Same up the sample with, yeah. size. But Romulans, Andorians, Vulcans, Klingons, they can be oh sexified. Yeah. That's also why we have only seen like two Ferengi women ever. Right. Ferengi. Ferengi are heavily prosthetic, mm-hmm. not, and like not exactly designed to be attractive to human viewers. No. Uh, I do find it funny that Murph is voiced by D. Bradley Baker. Mm-hmm. The goo. The goo. <laughs> the creators have said that it is a known Star Trek that Murph is has been seen in Star Trek before, but it is a massively deep cut that they'll reveal eventually, but... Oh, God. is it? It's got to be related to the animated series. I thought that. I have a different thought as to what Murph <laughs> is. I think Murph is the the biogel they tested on Voyager, and over time it gained sentience, and they could no longer use it. That would I be think that's why cut. when Murph dropped on the Elkar, he turned every got every, they whatever got everything. To work. I was definitely wondering. I'm like, was that meant to be an accident, or did they deliberately? set off the phasers? Because I mean, like, yeah. what an excellent coincidence. Maybe not. Um, but, we all know but that the thing it, that's throwing it, me off is that the, the translator can't do anything with that. And if if it's an experimental ooze that has deep ties to Star you know, to Starfleet technology, then shouldn't the translator be able to work that out? Not necessarily, because um I don't know if it was ever made canon, but eventually the nanites <laughs> that they found they created on TNG. I think it was one of the books, like the nanites had actually basically had become sentient and they were like, we were not going to just, you can't just send us off to do these things anymore. We may still do these suicide runs, but do not assume because we are these microscopic machines that we're just being told to do. Just like the exocamp, which we saw in, we saw in Lower Decks. Peanut hamper. Peanut hamper. Guys? Guys? Yeah. Goddamn peanut hamper. Um, Goddamn lower decks. Plus, we know that Murph must have some ability to interface instantly because it has been long established that a Lacar's interface, you cannot butt dial. If so, Riker would have killed people over and over Mm -hmm. and over again because he he loves (laughs) to sit on Worf's console when he's talking to other people. You know, the one that shoots the guns. Worf, I wanted to talk to you about this thing. You're sitting on the phasers again, Commander. I'll okay, just move I, over here. Yeah. That's the photon torpedoes. All right. All right. They so, all look like trumpets to me, Worf. <laughs> all right. So no, we're Riker establishing that we that believe too. that Murph mm-hmm. is, is intelligent uh, in a way that enables them to be familiar with the consoles and, and, and can use them, can work them. Mm-hmm. Well, and it could be more instinctual. Instinct, <laughs> in, instinct you know what I mean? Instinct. Yeah, you actually got that right the first time. Okay. Um, just because they're sentient doesn't mean they have advanced thought patterns. They they could have the thought patterns of like a kid, you know. Well, that's what I was wondering. I'm like, okay, 
is the translator doesn't know how to how to translate for this this slime person is it because it's it's more like a dog like a, like a universal translator doesn't speak for the dogs right to help there has if it is a species mm-hmm. that only is a unique species where if let's go with Aaron's theory if Murph evolved from the biomimetic gel of Voyager if it's the only one of its kind it doesn't have a language right it has right, right. it has a way to express itself but that is not going to be a recognizable language to anyone else um, the universe the algorithms of the universal translator you still have to speak a lot in your language for it to start to piece together how to translate your language. Mm-hmm. Um, that, was, and- that was another one too. That one, like, well, I, I, I do know that there's examples of like, oh, the universal translator can't translate this because it's not familiar enough yet. Right. right. So, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing like, how that's going to pan out, like learning more about Murph. Yeah. I'm interested to, to learn about a lot of these characters. We'll just see where they end up. That's, that, I guess that's part of the journey. I do like the ship. Yeah. I think it's no, tiny. It, I was it's, like, it seems I tiny. Like it's it seem, it seems weird, like you can just like walk on and immediately be on the bridge. That weird third nacelle is weird for me. But I, I understand that is fun because it's a cartoon. That's why it's an NX. Yeah. What's it called? The Protostar? Protostar, yeah. The N- yeah. And NX is the designation for experimental Correct. ships. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, the was Enterprise. the Discovery NX? No. No. It, it was not a... Di- but uh, the only other... No, we've seen a couple other NXs. The Excelsior. first Defiant... Yep. The first and the Excelsior first was NX. Defiant was NX. Um, yep. And the Enterprise from Enterprise was an X01. Mm-hmm. But not the Discovery? Because the Discovery was an established class of ship that they mm-hmm. added this, but because um, not all of them got spore drives, that mm-hmm. class of ship. Okay. Oh, and it's based on the whole class, not an individual ship. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very In fact, well. I think only two had spore drives, and the other one done got fucked up. Right. Yeah, we know what happened to that one. Yeah. I don't remember, but some event horizon shit. Do you see? It, it was the it was the giant tardigrade. Yeah. Right. They came across the tardigrade and it tore the ship apart. Right. And okay. Crew. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I didn't. I don't actively remember that. You know how bad my memory is. Yes. Um. Well, I think Cable had some stuff he wanted to talk. He's going to surprise us with too, so we should give him time. I guess it's not really a surprise. It's just I was like I was thinking um, before the show because I signed into Facebook to uh, prepare for the show, and I haven't been on Facebook in two weeks, and I'm typically not on Facebook except for the show. Um, like the the entire horror. Um, photo set that uh, I've been sharing on Instagram and mm-hmm. Twitter have been exclusively there. Facebook doesn't get it. Facebook gets mm-hmm. none of that. Um, I will probably <clears throat> during my vacation download all of my assets from Facebook and then scrub it so that it's just a way to get in touch with me. Um, 
because I don't like Facebook. I don't like anything that Mark Zuckerberg is doing. I know I still use Instagram and it's owned by Facebook, but, and it has its own problems, but it started out as something different and there's a little bit of leeway with that, but not to belabor the point. Um, I don't want us to keep broadcasting on Facebook and we've talked about this off. Yeah. uh, But like, I know we should have that conversation amongst ourselves, but that also leaves out who we're doing this show for, which is everyone that's in the chant right now Mm -hmm. and everyone who listens that doesn't, you know, doesn't con, you know, they don't contact us directly. They don't, aren't part of that conversation, but they're still listening and they still have opinions. They still have feelings. And I, I want to know like what's good for them. Where did they get their media like this? Do they just want to listen, listen to podcasts? Do they just want it on Spotify or on Stitcher or do they want more of an interaction? And if they want more interaction, do we go to Twitch? Do we go to YouTube? Do we use discord? Like what is, what's good for everyone else? And and that's kind of like, I want that to be an ongoing conversation yeah. for a while because I don't want us to just make a decision and then jump. This should be like, there's going to be a few months before this actually transitions. Right. And I don't mean to blindside both of you with this. It's no, just, I actually this spent was like head. four hours today figuring out Twitch. Like <laughs> the show has a webpage on, has a page on Twitch. Okay. And no, I know Cable, I don't think that you should apologize because you have remembered something that the rest of us have unintentionally overlooked is that it's not just a matter of like how we want to create the show and make it available, but mm-hmm. how do people want it to be made available to them? If we choose something that works great for us, but is shit for the listeners, then they're not going to go show up anymore and we're not going to get to have that interaction with them. Right. So, and the whole point of us moving to another platform is we want, we would like to reach more people. We would like to reach new people. Like I love everyone who's listening now, but I also want to not, the reason the show has been on the air for as long as it has been um, is partly because Aaron is tenacious, <laughs> but it is also when it needed to, it learned to adapt and it learned to evolve. And I want, I want the show to continue to do that. And I think that that's, uh, if we're asking that of ourselves, we can ask it of our listeners and we can all evolve together and we can all like, we can be our own movement. Right. We can continue to be the change that we want to see in the world. Starting with fuck Facebook. (laughs) Yeah, starting with fuck Facebook. Yeah, I mean... Hashtag. I don't... Uh, Hisham said, I'm fine with abandoning Facebook, even if it went back to a paywall. I actually don't want to go back to a paywall. Um, it, it's a different type of barrier. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, that being said, it's not means that we will not put a donate button up before ever we figure out where to stream. And Definitely not telling content. you not to send us money, Hisham. Yeah. That's... <laughs> I'm actually going to take a different tact, Aaron. Um, I think that I don't I don't immediately disagree with Hisham because I I think that's why I want to involve the listeners. If the listeners go, no, you know what? We do value your time. We do value what you do, 
And we right. want to tell you that by monetarily attaching a value to it. Here, here's $5 a month. Great. If that is 10,000 people, that's all of us leaving jobs and doing this. Right. Which would then allow us to do more of this. Yes. But mm-hmm. we could do like, the games like we want to do and stuff. And I, the stories. Yeah. I 100% respect <laughs> wanting to make, to remove barriers. And if the majority is still like, no, we, it's like we do value the show. We just don't have the money for it. Cool. Keep it free. Um, but if people want to go, no, we, we want you to value what you're making as much as we do. Here's money. Right. Let them do that. And I, I, I think that's, yeah, I know that that's, that's a weird thing because I, were I in your position, Aaron, as the founder of this, right. I would also have the same opinion. It's like, no, it's fine. But you well, know, I, I've heard that time and time again. It's like, if you place value on what you do, other people go, yes, I agree with that value. Here it is. Right. I guess, and this peels back even more in the curtain. I, part of me also has these weird flashbacks at the time when like there was like a little mini paywall and I would get such the nasty fucking emails that how dare I also then have commercials if they're paying $5 a month. And my yeah. answer was all like, well, it's all local people. I mean, we're all, it, yeah, it was a whole yeah, I used to get really mad. Yeah, like there, there's a whole lot of behind the scenes stuff that like, you know, the long and the short of it is like those five bucks don't go to you. Yeah. Also, like I no. don't really talk about it, but like the show isn't free to make. Mm-mm. There's been equipment. Uh, there is hosting. Um, now that we Some have of- to use streaming services, there is more cost to it. The show. Some of the things that we review, we spend our own money accessing I mean, granted, it's because we expect that we're going to enjoy it ourselves, but sure. but then we then take that experience and share it with 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 the audience, right? And there's a larger part of talking with everybody um, about this, talking with everyone who listens to the show. If they don't know that about business, then that's a great for, way for them to go. Oh. Oh, no, that makes sense. Oh, wait, I'm going to apply that to every other thing that I enjoy that now I'm starting to see behind the curtain to that. And that's how we all work together to change the world. I'm I'm being pie in the sky about this, and I, I get that, but I don't know how to be any other way, right? Someone has to be yeah. pie in the sky and hopeful. I. And I think Aaron froze. Either, oh, whoops. Either that or he, he is incredibly still. He's just like really thinking hard about what you've said. Oh, no. I, yeah, I think he did freeze. Thanks. Um, uh, I hope uh, I hope that that may, doesn't mean we've lost the recording. Uh, I don't I, think it will, but. it It's still recording. It's still got the little green check mark. Oh, oh no. Um, We're still live. <laughs> we are still live. I am the host now. Uh, let me see if I can record. Also, let's record to the cloud. Yay! That way he can cut that together. More behind the scenes magic. It'll be it'll be seamless. <clears throat> so seamless, you guys. 
editing is is a magical thing. Um, yeah, no, I am actually kind of glad that you have put this conversation uh, that we've had many times privately uh, out to the public because because it's not just about us. Um, and it's also super sweet to see everyone like commenting that like, you know what, also your time has value or our time as the podcasters making the show and editing and, you know, marketing it. And that, that is time that's, that we give away for free. And if, and, you know, if we put a dollar value to that, that that would make our lives a little bit easier. Right. Um, yes. Yeah. There, there will be ways to rip the audio. I'm, I'm pretty sure we're fine in terms of losing the recording or not. Uh, I'm checking messages. Uh, where oh. did Aaron go? His, his device shut down on him. Oh, oh no! There he is. Perfect. Good. That means we can close out the show with him. Hi. Case in point, we need a more stable way to stream and have money coming in. And maybe, maybe some, maybe some device upgrades or refreshers. <clears throat> Oh no, that my surface always feels like it's about to explode by the time the show is over. This surface isn't even that old, but I think it's suffering. No. I just have to fuck. I you know what? I have to go back to Apple. They cost more and they're pretentious as fuck. But at least they don't slowly just start to die. I mm-hmm. bought my surface right before the pandemic because I was expecting to be doing a lot more producing. Yep. Uh, because you were gonna not be around quite as often, and uh, and yeah, it's it's like it's it's hot, it's hot to the touch right now, and I barely yeah, I, use it, besides for this, and yeah. job applications. No, it's not like I'm asking this server to do a lot. It literally, I ask it to stream the show, not even edit video. I don't even edit the video of the show. I just edit audio and to be you know a glorified effing typewriter. And like every month, you can just see parts of it, like just code falling away. Ah, that sounds scary. Yeah, that's not. Not right. to peel back the curtain anymore. I don't even watch porn on this damn thing because I'm terrified of some random cookie infecting it. Who still watches porn on their full-on computer? What I I, I don't know, but what I'm saying is, like, oh, Aaron, what, sites you, what sites you're going to? Her, I'm like none. Yeah, no, this is a work computer. <laughs> My my surface, and I don't feel guilty using it for the show because my work pays for the show. <laughs> well, sponsors the show. So. No, that's fair. I get it. But yeah, it's so. Yeah, I, again, I, I'm not trying to blindside anyone. I'm not trying to like force the conversation. But I I do want. I really enjoy the people that are in the chat and listen to the show and interact with us. And it's been nice to have people in the chat who never used to join us when we were behind the paywall. Yeah. And yeah. And it has been really hard for me to interact with people online. I, in general, I, I am very cautious about where I interact and how much I interact with people. Um, and like the two of you know how much I interact with you and mm-hmm. I trust you and you have long been part of my circle. So it's easier for me to just go that and vomit out things. Everyone else right. gets various degrees and I know that you're the same, um, especially since we are also in inter- entertainment. So you have to put up various uh, barricades. Yeah. 
But if anything that the last year and a half has taught us is we need that connection. We need that more than ever. And we need to strengthen those connections with people who love us and enjoy what we do. And we enjoy their company just as much. And yeah, I think, yeah. Sorry. I'm getting mushy. No, I get it. Trust me, I recognize Mushy. Don't worry about it. You're so far away from me. This is, this is what happens when I have to, like, I, I get more emotional when I ever centered around any time I perform a wedding. Uh, you're yeah. just so full of good feelings right now. I Yeah, I kind of forced myself gross. to be. <laughs> Ew, gross. Well, should we wrap up the show before my computer decides to just, you know, <laughs> one more time on me? Yeah, probably. Yes, yes we should. My 19 month old computer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, with that, I'm Aaron Duran. <laughs> I'm Bean Arita. And I'm Cable Hashitani. And you two will speak with people next week. I will be gone next week. I will be in Denver. Oh. Did All we right. know that? Yes. Okay. Yes, I did. Yeah. All right. So Great. we'll figure all this out. So we can record it on my crappy computer. Great. <laughs> all right. Good night, guys. Bye, everyone. Thanks.